Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Hello and welcome. I'm Patrick Curtis, your host and chief monkey, and this is the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Join me as I talk to some of the community's most successful and inspirational members to gain valuable insight into different career paths and life in general. Let's get to it. In this episode, Yuri shares his winding path starting out graduating from his master's program in London right at the start of the global financial crisis and turning down an offer to start at Goldman Sachs to travel the world and try to get into a more direct investing role. Listen to his great advice on specific questions to ask when interviewing for asset management or hedge fund roles as a junior analyst. And also make sure to check out his blog, snippet.finance, a place where he shares interesting snippets of financial data and analysis. Enjoy. All right, Yuri, thanks so much for joining the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Thanks very much. So it would be great if you could just give the listeners a short summary of your bio. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So probably take you all the way back. Um, I'm originally from Armenia. Uh, I was born there and after the collapse of the Soviet Union, I moved back to, well, we moved to Denmark. That's where I grew up. So I've got quite an international background. Um, and I went to international schools here in Denmark and decided that, you know, the best place to go was the UK. And I started studying there. Uh, I did my undergraduate at Cambridge for three years studying economics. And then I did this master's at LSE for uh, one year studying, sort of completing my studies in economics. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was around 2008 timeframe is when good I finished timing. my master's. <laughs> good exactly. Time. <laughs> good, good timing. And I remember I was working at Goldman Sachs doing an internship in their sort of private equity asset management wing. And, you know, I wasn't sort of enjoying it too much. It was a bit of a tough time. And then when they offered me the job, I actually decided not to take it. And I remember saying, you know, quit basically speaking to the managing director on the phone saying, you know, I'm not interested in taking the job. And that was on a Friday. And he sort of tried to convince me and I said a final no. And then on Monday, Lehman Brothers collapsed and the whole world blew up. And basically, I was kind of kicking myself thinking, you know, I've obviously passed up on this great opportunity at a great firm. What have I done, etc, etc. But actually, it kind of all worked out in a funny sort of way. And the world sort of has a tendency to do that. So I um, took a bit of time out. I went traveling um, and then as 2009 rolled around, I basically started applying for jobs. And at the time I knew my passion was in investing and in asset management, and I just wanted to get into that. Um, So I sent out hundreds of applications as everybody else does Mm -hmm. to all the asset management firms in London. I remember opening the back of the FT and just going through all of the companies, sending it out. Obviously plenty of places weren't hiring. um, And that was kind of one of the lucky things. And I think, given the current environment and what people are going through, sometimes these kind of crises throw up opportunities that the good firms are out there looking for people to hire. And if they're hiring, then, you know, you sort of almost have this positive selection effect, uh, which I would say is really positive for me. 
So I ended up at a firm named Majedi Asset Management, which was kind of an up and coming scrappy boutique in the UK asset management space. They were started in 2002 for a bunch of guys left Merrill Lynch, decided to start on their own, built a business from nothing to you know, a reasonably big business by the time I joined. And I was the first kind of graduate hire on their graduate program. There've been many ever since. Mm-hmm. And uh, I basically worked my way up. So I, I started as an analyst on the internal hedge fund they had. I did my CFA. I learned all the ropes of investing and you know, under really, really, really sophisticated and good investors with a great track record. Mostly um, equity, like what type of... Debt. Yeah, so the fund, so the it was a long short fund that was 100% equities. I, I primarily f- kind of focused on UK equities because that was the pedigree of the the sort of fund management house. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we did a lot of other international stocks as well. Um, it was just a great time because we were in a, I was in a good place. The people make a huge difference, and you know the people I worked with I really loved and I learned a lot from, mm-hmm. and they respected me as well despite being kind of an analyst and just kind of fresh off the sort of intellectual boat that sailed into the city and I didn't I I just loved their respect for kind of intellectual honesty and just people having a view about stuff that they might not know anything about Mm. um and so we we I just worked on equities did the whole CFA thing which was obviously a long process as many people have gone through before um again lots of support from the firm for that and eventually I worked my way kind of up and there was an opportunity that opened up for a fund within the company that was kind of starting up, which was a, a focused, like a UK income fund focused kind of fund. And I, um, yeah, I just took it. And together with my boss, uh, we basically built that fund from nothing to a one and a half billion pound fund. Uh, we sort of beat all of our competition over that period and performed really, really well. Um, and so it was, a, it was also another really great kind of learning curve where you go from, analyzing companies to actually building portfolios and making investment decisions, which is a completely different game. And also obviously a lot of fun talking to clients, meeting clients and trying to convince them to invest with us, which is, you know, a whole sort of other area. All different, yeah. Exactly. All of the experiences that you build on that. Um, and so we ran the fund together and then last year, you know, we, for, for lots of various reasons, which I don't care to kind of say on <laughs> in a public venue, yeah. I decided to actually leave Majedi um, after sort of 10 years. So I guess slightly different to a lot of people in the sense that I stuck to one firm for a very long period of time. Uh, but this is a firm that gave me my education. It gave me all of this valuable experience. And I really, really loved and valued the people that work there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I would say... I want to say it's rare, but it probably is quite rare among people out there in general having this kind of experience. Oh, yeah. And it was a Ten years is a good run. Ten years Absolutely. is a really good run. Absolutely. I think so. And I, I, I didn't want to leave in a bad way. So what I decided to do is I was going to take a year out and I was going to slightly pivot my career into a, a sector that I really liked, which was biosciences. So I, I left Majedi, uh, hung up my investing shoes on the 30th of June, 2019, and basically spent the last year doing a master's in bioscience enterprise, it's called. Mm-hmm. So it's a, um, think of it sort of as a mini MBA for people who like biotech. Uh, Cambridge is trying to create, they've got a huge ecosystem of biosciences and, and really, really interesting firms and venture capital funds and things like that. And I just thought, you know, that could be really fun to do for a year. And then I'll decide what I'll do after that year. And that's kind of where you find me slightly just having finished my dissertation. So 
being a student that kind of after 10 years of working um, it's, it's fun, it's good, highly recommended. I mean, many of you out there will probably be considering MBAs or whatever, and I think it's a great you know, idea to do that, take a break, think about what you wanna do with your career. Probably not quite as late as I did it, but it's still a great time. There's a lot of really exciting ideas going on in the world right now, mm -hmm. and universities are hotbeds of these ideas. I feel like young people are hotbed of these ideas, and it was just about kind of exposing myself to all of those things. So that's why I, decided to do that and then you know my heart is still in investing so i'll probably end up doing that in some sort of capacity more entrepreneurial i think more like doing my own thing or with my sort of former colleagues or whatever it might be um and during just, your time at school you you started uh snippet uh, why don't you talk about snippet a little bit absolutely so yeah thanks for picking up on that it's um so so one of the things i wanted to do was not to lose touch with the financial markets and that was kind of a personal reason but what i really found that i enjoyed the most when i was working at jetty was kind of finding these little nuggets of information i call them sort of snippets where it's something that's really interesting and it's very different and investing is all about thinking in a different way to everybody else in the stock market. Um, and I was finding a lot of these nuggets of information, lots and lots of various sources, mostly online. Um, and I decided, well, I don't have an outlet selling this to sort of all of the people at my firm, so I'll start a blog. And I started a blog which is called Snippet Finance, literally just snippet.finance. Mm -hmm. And the idea is, let me just put together little, little snippets. Uh, there's sort of, you know, if you sign up for the email, there's about three, you get uh, three emails a week, three snippets, very easy to read. And there's links usually to if you want to dig, dig deeper into the topic. Um, and, you know, the idea was just to impress people, impress your boss, impress at interviews, impress whoever with a little nugget of information that makes you look a bit different to, say, just reading the FT or the Wall Street Journal. Um, and it's been a, you know, really exciting experience as well, like kind of building all of this from scratch, which, you know, it's just something else to do. And, and just, I, I really, really love that part as well. And I, I just love finding this information and giving it to people. And, and I hope people, people pick up on it and, and kind of see the passion about finding these little nuggets. Um, so let, yeah. Let's, start, let's go back. Let's rewind. Let's go all the way back to your undergrad. Mm -hmm. bit, and we'll get into that a little bit more, but um, were you always, you know, you said you're an economics major, right? You're studying. That's economics. right. Yeah. Were you always interested in finance? Did you know you wanted to be an investor or when did that first kind of, yeah, it's a really good question. Um, your family in it, it at all? Like you're no, my both my parents are scientists. My father is a physicist. My mother is a biologist. So, not my family. Finance was very far removed from Soviet Union or Armenia or anything like that. Mm -hmm. um, I would say it was a bit of a journey, which is probably the right way to approach any of these things. Um, so I, you know, I, I study economics. I kind of heard a little bit of finance in my first year. To be honest with you, I, I really didn't know what it was. I didn't know what investment banking was. But what I, what I knew was I wanted to try it out. So I did an internship at UBS uh, in equity capital markets and ECM. Um, I thought it was very enjoyable. What, but what I really got excited about was what the people kind of on the other side who were selling the securities to were doing and why they were making the decisions and things like that. I, I didn't, I, it was an enjoyable time at ECM, but it wasn't quite for me in a kind of, they, I think it wasn't just as intellectually interesting as kind of doing it straight more, up. Investing. It was more transactional. Exactly. It was more transactional. There was yeah. a lot of sort of salesmen and, you know, all these really valuable skills, of course, but the, my, my heart and my mind kind of lay with intellectual endeavor and kind of understanding how the world works. 
Um, so I, it piqued my interest already at that point. Are you uh, saying but I actually, that equity capital markets isn't intellectual? I, I agree with you. And I, I mean, it, there's obviously a lot more sales. There's a lot more pitching. There's a lot more, uh, a lot more art, we'll say, on the valuation side. Than, absolutely. <laughs> and absolutely. You're, when you're an investor, you really, you know, you care about the truth and the intellectual honesty. It really is. Exactly. I think that's exactly right. I think that's exactly right. Um, and I, I, I mean, people have sort of, it's, I'm not saying I'm not covering any new ground or any new revelation. No, no. I think that's the way it is. Um, and it was 2006 as well. So it was sort of go, go years. People were, there was a lot of transactions going on. Um, and it, it just didn't feel like an environment that I would thrive in. And I think that's really important for people who are looking for internships and jobs is to sort of find places there. They're going to thrive with the right people in the right sort of environment. Um, so I then, had this interest, but then my pendulum swung completely to the other end of the sort of intellectual scale. So I did economic consulting, which is another interesting field for economists to have a more commercial kind of impact on companies. Um, this is all about antitrust and economic policy and trying to understand essentially are mergers allowed to happen from the perspective of the consumer and how we can defend that in court. Um, so I did that one summer. Again, it was a bit too far down the intellectual rabbit hole. And at the time, I was already very interested in reading about finance, which is kind of one of the reasons why I love Snippet and I love reading about all of these things. It started at a very early time for me. And I was just constantly reading about things, reading about you know lots of different blogs like FT Alphaville, et cetera, and just learning about finance. I was getting really interested in it. And then that was at the point where I started investing myself a little bit. Mm -hmm. So I started looking at you know, companies, I started looking at broader ETFs and countries and things like that and thinking about how you take risks and how you sort of build a portfolio. Um, and so I had caught that bug, but I, was, I had one more internship slot and that's what happens when you have a master's. So you, you know, I could do one right after the, yep. the end of the master's. Um, and I decided to, to, to go for Goldman Sachs Asset Management. Mm -hmm. They put me in the private equity group, which is a, a you know, I'm, you know, you'll never hear me say anything bad. It's a great organization and it's a great team. And so what do they there. do? What's the private equity group and asset? Right. So it's, it's serving a, private equity clients, basically. Yeah. So it's, it's actually, um, it's a fund of funds of private equity funds. That's their main business. Got it. And the, um, they invest in private equity funds. They do a lot of co-invest deals as well alongside the private equity funds they invest in and a little bit of direct investing, but mostly that was their kind of main bit. And they were raising big secondary private equity funds to buy LP interest off essentially struggling, you know, anyone who's struggling in the financial crisis. Yeah. And it was an exciting place to be. And obviously Goldman Sachs is a fantastic company and a fantastic brand, but it was very sort of cutthroat. It was hard. Um, you know, sort of, I didn't have a, a good interpersonal relationship this was, with. This was in London, correct? This was in London. And this was one of the other problems with it, which is that the team is essentially 90 people in New York and 10 people in London. Yeah. So the power base is very much in London. Um, or New York. And this, I mean in New York. Sorry, New York, yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, which, I mean, to be completely honest with you, means that you, you will have no life because you always have to be on for whatever, whether you're in New York hours or London hours. And it's... What were your hours that summer? Really, really bad. Like over 100? <laughs> probably worked. I pulled a few sort of 3, 3, 4 a.m. nights. Yeah. Um, it was a lot of work. Um, 
to be completely honest with you, I wasn't hundred percent sure why it had to be done exactly at those times, but I think it was a bit of a rite of passage at the time for internship, wasn't it? Um, it was a lot of work. The, the managing directors and partners were fantastic. They were you know, really positive and, and, you know, just had a great relationship with the them. Hard the analysts and the associates are under a lot of stress to push and impress. Yeah. And so they're forcing, they're forcing work on you at every exactly. hours of the night. And they're like, where are you? Exactly. It's 2am. Where are you? <laughs> exactly. And I think it's, it's sort of a divide, but that's just the way it, it sort of is. in in, in that kind Very of similar way. to banking. Yeah. I'm surprised asset management was like, I guess you guys just, maybe it was the intern program. Um, bit of it like a little bit of a rite of passage see if you could cut it yeah i think a bit of a rite of passage bit of, that was private equity so it was transactional so there were yeah. deadlines to to get things done mm -hmm. um but I, i'm not sure i it, i guess in the end it was our dynamic in new york and then the, the time zone differences make it crushing you exactly we're almost supporting exactly. some teams in new york sometimes Is yeah yeah so i spent a lot of times like working with the people in new york and yeah Basically, if you're ever in London and you're working with people in New York, it's just hell, essentially, for people yeah. in London for the, for the time-wise. Sure. Um, and so, uh, you know, I already told you the story of the way I kind of decided on that. But at that time, I was just 100% into investing. I thought that Goldman Sachs Asset Management would give me a real experience in the investing side, and it did. But it was a lot of secondary type of investing where you're investing into someone else's fund. Yeah, so you're doing more fund analysis and you're looking at the managers, really, rather, and the track records and analyzing that rather than analyzing the company specifically which is really exactly what wanted. exactly and, and so i for example, made, when I was, did you, were you able to communicate that to they like when they were trying to convince you to stay and join yeah i, I communicated all of these things that essentially i wanted to be at the cold face of investing i wanted to actually make decisions of which securities went into the portfolio that's what i enjoyed mm -hmm. um i I'd, i guess the thing i would say is that i didn't want my destiny determined by somebody else because yeah. if, you're, if you're running a fund or you're making equity investment decisions, you're in charge of your own destiny. You yeah. think Microsoft will buy, it goes up, fantastic. You've done really well. It goes down, you did really badly. Whereas if you then say, okay, I think you know, Patrick's an amazing investor, I'm going to give him money, and then he blows it up, then you're, you know, it's not your fault really, no matter yeah. how good you are at picking investors. Um, and actually that influenced my job decision because one of the job offers I had later on was for a sort of, consultant for picking funds and i just decided that that wasn't really for me in the end as well so it was um, kind of i think it was helpful it sounds like all your internships were helpful in kind of helping just solidify your desire to be actually in an investing seat so tell me how you came out of that you you went on a trip where'd you go after saying oh, no um, and the world blo exploded um world explodes um, <laughs> um, i spent a bit of time living in germany just because i kind of wanted to learn a bit of german uh and then i went traveling to south asia so i'll tell you another funny story if you like yeah um so i i started applying early 2009 obviously it was the world was complete chaos and you know i was a young analyst trying to apply for jobs in finance but well, you hadn't really and, even worked full-time you had just done internships. No, just internships and the how, internships are how really rare, can you, sorry to interrupt but how rare is it to come out of your masters have an offer from goldman sachs and turn it down i think most of the people whose advice i, <laughs> I took that doesn't like, that I, doesn't happen right yeah it just doesn't happen um I, I i think i made the right decision because the person who took my job wasn't very happy afterward you know with, with that kind of environment and it just doesn't happen i i know i'm probably one of the in fact no, Jetty, I, they used to bring not, this up. Yeah, I'm not saying it was the wrong decision. I'm just saying the fact that you had the 
had the um, confidence to turn that down is really saying something at that young of an age. What were you like? 22? 20? Yeah. 22. That's very right. Yeah. Very young, probably a bit dumb, but I would say a little naive a little bit. I am going to be a little bit naive, <laughs> but I think the message I would sort of say is that it's, it's, it's possible. You know, there's a lot of different firms out there. Um, I didn't obviously foresee that the financial crisis was going to get so bad at that point. Right. Um, but I think it's, it's important to know what you like as well as what the sort of big firms, you know, they want, you know, everyone's obviously wants that coveted place, but if it's not for you, it probably isn't for you and you're not going to get the best out of it. Yeah. So you lived um, in Germany for a little bit. For lived a in Germany time. for a little bit. And so then I came back to Denmark. I was trying to apply for all of these jobs. As I said, back of the FT going through each one of the. You weren't in London at that point? Or you had moved no, I was home. flying kind of between London and Copenhagen for interviews. I knew I wanted to live in London, the financial kind of capital. Yeah. And then I sort of did a few second, you know, first round, second round. So, so I was interviewing with kind of three or four firms and uh, I managed to make it to the second round, but I had a ticket to go traveling to Southeast Asia, you know, you're sort of Vietnam, Thailand, etc. And I had a ticket and I was like, well, you know, I'm going. So I basically left in the middle of the sort of in- interview process. Uh, and then I was traveling around in Vietnam and I get the call from both companies that were kind of very interested at that time. And they say, you know, we want you to come in for a final round. And I'm like, uh, well, there's a slight problem. I'm in, I'm Vietnam. I'm, I'm a bit far away. And they said, okay, well, and then after a bit of discussion, they said, okay, fine, we'll pay. So I, what I did was, you know, I mean, I'm sort of embarrassed to say this publicly, but I basically got one company to pay half of the ticket and the other company to pay the other half of the ticket. <laughs> Each thought that I had paid myself to come back um, and you know at the time that was quite a lot of money basically for, oh, for yeah. a young student right so I show up I remember this very clearly I leave by train I go to Hanoi I jump on a plane I fly through Bangkok I land in London I go to my friend's place I don't you know I didn't have a lot of things there everything was in Copenhagen I borrow his oversized suit I show up at the interview and I think just the process of showing up was the probably the reason why I got both jobs. They just said, you know, look, he's traveled all the way here. Obviously, I had to impress them as well in the final round. Um, and then I remember flying back the were same these were, for, these were for hedge funds, though, basically? These were, so, so there was two funds was and a consultant firm as well. Oh, so okay. I had actually three interviews when I came back. Okay, and so when, but, but these were for like actual investing roles and one yes. was for consulting, okay. One was for consulting, exactly. And so what type, what were the interviews like? Like pitch me along, oh, right? Yeah. Or um, like, what, what do they they force you to talk talk about your track record and your personal portfolio? No, no. I right. So I think maybe this will also keep, bring to life kind of some of the tips I've got because what I've also yeah. you know been fortunate enough while at Majeti is interviewing people as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have quite a lot of experience kind of both sides of the table. Um, so the questions are, um, so the main thing that I think won people over is that I was reading a lot about finance. And when I say a lot, I was religiously reading everything I could possibly, and I was just hoovering up information. Mm-hmm. And I think that came across that I had a real passion for reading and investing in the end of the day, you know, as Warren Buffett says, it's just about sitting at home, you know, at your office and reading as much as you can possibly. And I think they look for that. I was intellectually curious. I knew how to kind of connect dots of information, say, well, this is interesting here, this is interesting here. Could this be more interesting if we think about it together? Um, the questions were, I mean, you know, to Majedi's credit, their questions were really fun and, and it was just a fun interview. They asked really tough questions. Um, so they would sort of ask these kind of, 
I mean, I'm probably not allowed to divulge what they were, but things that you wouldn't necessarily um, expect in an interview, but they were sort of br not brain teasers necessarily, but they would ask you what you, why you think a certain thing was the case that, um, and it's not something you would have ever been able to read up on. And then you just had to kind of argue for yourself on the spot why you thought that was the case. It's more just um, your logic, your structure and logic. And exactly. So the way you thought about something, your arguments, what facts you would bring forward, even if you had no idea what this, this topic was, you know, like, I mean, I'll give you one example, for example, like, you know, what, why are people, why are, is the Dutch national team so good at ice skating? That's, that's an example of the question. So something like that kind of left field, don't really think about it, but there's a few obvious things you can go for and what it is that you exactly go for. Um, we, there was a lot of stock conversation, you know, what kind of stocks, you know, why are you interested in this? You know, your typical, a lot of times they will give you like three different stocks and they say, which one do you think is good? My piece of advice on that would be just have a view. So don't sit on the fence. Don't say, oh, I think this one's good. This one's good. This one's good. And then you don't have a conclusion. Make sure you say, I like this stock because they're really looking for people. We were looking for people with conviction mm -hmm. in their sort of views. And it, it doesn't really matter what the answer is. And you're probably going to be wrong or right. It doesn't really matter. What matters is that you had conviction and you proved why you thought that was the case. Um, so that was kind of the interviews. You know, there's a few sort of math stuff, a little bit of, um, you know, one of them kind of made me do a stock test. Um, again, kind of math like a, like, um, so that was the consultant actually they, they just took out a page from the GRE exam and they just gave me like 20 GRE questions and they said here you go which is I think if you you know the GRE is a, a, it's, a, it's, a it's not easy right uh, I actually think, sorry apologies it was the GMAT not the GRE so a slightly yeah. harder mathematics um, but I think it's it's quite intuitive math so probability you, and common metrics a little bit in there exactly that kind of th that kind of stuff mm -hmm. and it was sort of just 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 go for it and um, I mean, I think I did all right, so because I got offered the job in the end. Mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to think back to the other interviews. I mean, genuinely, I when I interview, I just ask people, tell me about something interesting you read. Tell me, so, you know, explain to me, like, maybe your dissertation, a topic that you would know really well, or a topic. And I just want to see how people see the world and understand things. Mm -hmm. um, I'd often ask people their relationship to risk, like, what do they feel like about risk-taking? Because um, at the end, investing is a lot about psychology, right? So I'm trying to understand, is this person suited for the psychology of investing? I mean, and you won't know until you actually buy a stock and it goes down and, you know, things go badly. That's really the lesson. Isn't panic. It? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Person can't come to work. They're sick all day or the next day because they're... Exactly. As we, everyone's experienced that kind of environment. Um, but it was, it was just, they just, I think it was my ability to converse on a very high level about what was going on in the world. You know, at the time there were so many crazy reading that just comes from reading so much. You just, exactly. were actually, you were actually interested in it and wanted exactly. It. So, exactly. And it's not something you can kind of cheat at, which is the other thing that comes out from it. You, you really just have to put in the hours of work of reading up to that point. Um, and I'd be, you'd be surprised as well how many times I've asked people tell me something interesting you've read and they say stuff, you know, they read in the morning's FT that I've obviously also read, which is not a good answer. So, <laughs> exactly. And, and actually, the most amazing answers I've gotten had nothing to do with finance. They were about something completely different. And it just shows that, you know, investing kind of covers everything, doesn't it, in the world, um, mm -hmm. which is what I think. So, 
um, that's interesting. So let's go back. So you start, you get the offer after flying. Mm-hmm. Did, they, did you get to go back to Thailand and Vietnam or? Uh, yeah, so I fly, I fly back. You I, back? Land, I, I fly back to Bangkok. I land in the airport. I open uh, my email. Uh, I don't think we actually had phones then, even though I, maybe we did. I can't remember. You have three that, offers. You have three offers. I've got three offers. I'm like ecstatic. I'm like, this is amazing. I obviously put it down to the fact that I managed to fly all the way there and came, you know, in, in one piece. And then they, uh, I had to sort of decide which one to go for. And, you know, as I said, the consultant job, it was, it was because I had a particular interest in kind of nonprofits and they managed a lot of, helped a lot of nonprofit organizations manage money. I thought that was interesting, but in the end, I decided I would rather be in charge of my own destiny. And then, you know, it comes down to things like how much are they offering you? Did you like the people? Did you like the, the culture of the company? Have they had good performance historically? Are they sort of mostly owned? How much, by did, they share, how much did they share of that, like performance before going in? Like were, did you get more information from certain funds and others or, and yeah, you get a little bit more from funds and others, but to be honest with you, I think these are really important questions. Just ask the people that are, you're interviewing. You know, how's the performance been over the last couple of years? As long a track record as you possibly can see. Mm-hmm. Who who owns the firm? Who's the main decision maker? How are decisions made? Uh, it's often questions people don't ask because they often see like a brand name and they're like, okay, that I I think I know what that is and it sounds procedural, so it's great. But mm-hmm. I think it's very important to ask those questions, particularly the employee-owned culture. So. It was quite well spread out. Like the, everybody's had a bit of a share in the company, yep. made it feel like a family almost. Yep. I think that was very important. The track record was excellent. The decision-making was devolved to all the different fund managers. So they, it meant that you could influence people a bit more than if say there was a committee or there was like one person who made all the decisions. I don't want to sort of paint lots of other funds in different bad lights, but over time I've learned that those are the things that make really good cultures, especially for, younger people coming in to learn about it, stuff. It flatter, more kind of uh, flatter structure with different fund managers that could be influenced by the, the analysts and the associates. Exactly, exactly. Makes Flat sense. structure, same office, you know, yep. and your idea can sit in lots of different funds. It's perfect environment for someone to thrive. So I don't want to keep you too much longer, but let's, let's quickly run through, like, what was it like when you first started? What were the surprises? Um, so, so, so investing is really hard. <laughs> That would be the first surprise. It really, really sucks when you get something wrong. Um, it was a, it's a weird environment that you're almost every millisecond, you know exactly how well you're doing, which is a different mindset from being in school where you're getting graded or whatever. And you, you sort of roughly know how you're doing, but you don't. Whereas every, imagine every you know, if you're working at school, like every second someone comes to you and says, okay, you're doing great. You're doing great. Oh, actually, you're not doing so great. You're doing yeah. great. It's a, it's a weird sort of mental. Like your ear. Like that. Exactly. In your ear constantly. Um, there's a lot of sort of noise going on. You need to kind of learn to tune all of that out. You need to learn to accept the fact that that's your performance is going to be assessed like that. You need to also start learning about your own psychology, which was a big thing that kind of shocked me to begin with that you know, the stock market kind of invites activity there's a lot of psychology that's involved. And so I spent quite a lot of time learning the psychological side of things. And I think that's really, really important to, to get to grip with, especially in the second learning curve. Um, I, I was very fortunate. I had really great sort of mentors and people who just were fantastic and kind of selflessly helped me to at, at a very granular level on how to understand how to analyze companies and to look for various things. And then I had slightly more senior mentors who really 
took the time, you know, sit down for you for an hour and explain their thought process. So it was a very nurturing environment for people to learn how to, how to, how to invest essentially. Um, how did you progress? Did you feel like your performance just got better and better and better? Or did you hit a rough patch? How did it, how did it evolve? Yeah, years? it's, I mean, I think at first we were, we were learning so much, we got good. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's sort of, it, it, it's a bit of, you know, the stock market is like this. I mean, I was fortunate that it just went up pretty much. If you think about the whole 10 years, yeah. exactly. Whole 10 <laughs> years, 2019 was just a bull market. I mean, we had a wobble in 2011. There's a so few were you, wobbles. were you net long then most of the time? Yeah, because it was, uh, I was mostly, uh, the, the hedge fund wasn't that long. And then I also, then when I transitioned to the long only fund, we were obviously quite happy for the stock market to go up. And we were yeah. sort of quite bullish on things in the UK that were going up. Um, so it's sort of, it helps. I mean, obviously when things are going well, uh, we had a rough patch in 2016 um, during Brexit, which was obviously not great to be in a UK fund in Brexit. Yeah. Th- those are the real learning experiences. Like you really learn a lot about yourself and how you're able to deal with these kinds of environments. Yeah. And you have to make quick decisions and understand what's going wrong. And sometimes you have to just you know, walk out of a stock just because you realize that it just doesn't have a future overnight. Right. And that's what's happening in Corona. And sometimes it's difficult to make these decisions. Uh, so it wasn't all sort of rosy and fun. Yeah. And there were very t- tough times and you, know, you made mistakes. But the key thing, I think, is just we, we spend a lot of time learning from those mistakes. And then you just got better the next time around because you saw it before. And having good mentors really, really helps a lot because they, they've been through all of this multiple times over. And um, looking back at your time there, anything like, so you started off as, what, did they, what was like your title, like an analyst, just an analyst, hedge fund? Yeah, so I started off as an equity trainee analyst. Then I was became an equity analyst. And then I was uh, promoted to basically co-manage the fund. So essentially, there was a pool of sort of analysts. And then people who had fund management responsibility got promoted. And I was just a, a, a fund manager. And then I became kind of co-fund manager of this fund. I had Tell a stint. How, how did your responsibility shift from doing the actual analysis to kind of managing more of the ideas coming into you? Yeah. It's a good question. Very, very good question. It depends on the, the firm you work for. Mm-hmm. At Majedi, the fund managers did a lot of the analysis work themselves. So it's, everyone was a generalist. Everyone focused on whatever sector area of the market they thought was interesting. Everyone was doing their own work. Uh, obviously, the analysts were producing research, you were reading it, but you had to be able to interrogate it at their, their level, mm-hmm. which is how we were sort of brought up to, to do this type of thing. So I would say it changed, but it didn't. The things that changed is you had to figure out how to construct a portfolio, how to size positions, how to make investment decisions consistently. Did you feel like when you became a manager, were there certain analysts that clearly were better performers or did it wax and wane in such a way where like, let's, was there ever like, how many people, first off, how many people were under you at any given time? Um, so for the income fund that I co-managed with yes. my boss, we had two analysts directly under us. And then oh. there was a sort of wider analyst pool of maybe sort of six or seven people as well. Okay. So it wasn't like a ton of people. So you, but you're, no. you're working in tandem with those other two kind of all yeah. discussing ideas. So I was working very closely with them. We were kind of a close knit family and that was what produced all of the ideas. Yeah. Um, in terms of kind of waxing, like people, I think, it's a little bit like basketball, isn't it? Sometimes someone has a hot streak, sometimes they don't. Yeah. The problem with stocks is that because our holding horizon was two, two to three years, you only really realize kind of further down the line and everyone can wait, right, in the stock. That's the thing. So it's, 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 although you can see the performance, it's very difficult to know, has that investment actually matured 
as you expected it to mature. And that's the, the key thing that differentiated. But I would say the Magenta was very good at hiring good people who wrote great research and made really good investment ideas. So uh, if you had a, for, for people looking into a job similar to this, maybe in the UK or even in the US, but any, any advice you'd give them specifically around how to kind of survive in, inside of a firm like this in terms of mm. developing those relationships? Because I feel like a lot of it, it says it, it was, it seemed like a great place in terms of culture and, and yeah. very kind of mentor, mentor centric, which, which helps, right? It makes you feel yeah, absolutely. more confident when you have that down down week or down year. <laughs> um, tell me a little bit about just anything that the students could do kind of to position themselves to find, find a fund like that. Yeah. Um, so as I said, when you're looking for the fund for externally and make sure you ask all of those questions about yeah. culture, about decision-making, you know, frankly, you can even straight up ask people about their, you know, the ego of people, you know, who's kind of calling the shots, this kind of stuff is, it's fair game, you know, you're going to commit so much of your time and, and your sort of psychological headspace to this Did place. Did you do that when you were interviewing? Um, yeah, I, so I, so I, you know, and, and I was lucky because at, during the crisis, Majedi was, you know, a great house to survive the financial crisis that was hiring people. So I almost had like a self-selection because the bad funds weren't out there, were they? They were sort of folding essentially yeah. at the time. Um, and so I, so, I, so I would say, make sure you ask all of those questions. That would be the first thing. The, the second thing is surviving this, this sort of environment is early on what I, I really like seeing from analysts is kind of having a view and sort of sticking your neck out about things. I know it's really difficult to do. Um, I used to force all of our analysts to put the conclusion kind of first on their any research piece they put. It just makes you that mentality that, you know, this in the end, I'm going to have to make an investment decision on this. So you should be making an investment decision on this yourself. And that's really, really important. Uh, just stick your neck out. Don't worry about it. The outcome will be what it will be. You're just learning at that point. Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's important. But as, a, as you correctly pointed out, you need a very supportive kind of culture to allow you to make mistakes in that sense. And in the end, the mistakes is really how you progress as an investor. If everything really went perfectly, I don't think you'd actually learn what the skill of investing is all about. Yeah, you're amazing. <laughs> You'd have your ego would grow probably over the years, right? Exactly, absolutely, <laughs> and become completely uh, astronomical. So, tell me, kind of, what's next uh, for you? Uh, where where can people find you? Obviously, snippet.finance. Anything else uh, you want to share before before calling them? Yeah, so definitely, sort of check out snippet.finance. You know, that is a, a I love that project. I'm going to be doing that for a long period of time. I'm going to be writing that content. Uh, there's a contact sheet, uh, contact email address there. So just, you know, drop me an email if you have any questions or anything like that. Uh, always happy to chat. I do quite a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, and then I think I'm going to, you know, probably take a bit of a holiday because I've been doing this master's and it's been full on, as you can imagine. And after that, I'm just going to get back into investing in some shape or form. Exactly how that looks is not yet determined, essentially. You think uh, potentially at another asset manager or hedge fund? Either at another asset manager doing something on my own, maybe with some former colleagues or potentially coming up with, you know, something slightly related to biotech. Those are the three things right. I'm working on. At the moment. That would make sense. Yeah. Given your, your new, uh, exactly. Your masters. Well, listen, Yuri, thanks so much for taking the time. I really appreciate you sharing your story with all the listeners and with me. Great. Thanks very much, Patrick. Fantastic. And thanks to you, my listeners at wall street Oasis. If you have any suggestions whatsoever, please don't hesitate to send them my way, patrick at wallstreetoasis.com. Until next time.